Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Week is rolling along. It is midweek Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Welcome in to the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, how's it hanging? Hello. How's it hanging? It's great. You don't answer my question, see? It's a beautiful you, day. You can't just say hello if I say, how's it going? You know, usually it's like, good. It's going well. It's going well. Not good. Well is how you're supposed to supposed to term that. Grammar 101. Yes, Grammar 101. I always hated back in the day when you asked your teacher, can I go to the bathroom? May you go to the restroom? May you go to the bathroom? Yeah, I'm going to take a poop on your desk. Yeah, oh my lord. All right, three hours of talking the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. We're going to open on overreaction and not an overreaction in just a moment. We have Tigers versus Charlotte tonight. What can I say about this game that you don't know? What can I say about this game that you don't know? Doesn't mean much, but what it does mean is if the Tigers can win tonight as a six and a half point favorite at home, feel a little better about where they're at. Winning does cure some things, but it's hard for me to imagine a team that looked like they quit last week against North Texas and SMU. It's hard to me for me to imagine that they will come 
back and uh, not be a quitting team tonight. But we'll see. We shall see. Penny has promised some different things in the starting lineup. He wants dogs out there. He wants guys that care. So we'll see what happens there. Throughout the show, though, we will uh, we will be discussing other things about Penny Hardaway, uh, namely here an overreaction, not an overreaction. It was an interesting uh, podcast clip from the podcast P podcast with Paul George, where Brian Shaw was on there, a former teammate of Penny Hardaway, where he sort of talked about Penny and the what-ifs in NBA history. So we'll discuss that. Um, J.J. Redick, we give him a lot of credit on this show, don't we, Connor? I like to think we give him a lot of credit, and I think he, he does a good job. Um, when he's on ESPN as an NBA analyst. Obviously, he's going to be the analyst for the NBA Finals with Doc Rivers out. But there, there's one thing he brought up today on First Take that he's continually brought up on First Take with Stephen A. and Shannon Sharp, where he seems to hate debate culture and where we're at with sports. And he's asking the questions about consumers and do they really want to learn. So we'll discuss that at some point. Throughout the show, small talk will be at 5.50. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins will join at 5 o'clock from the Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins Show. 6 o'clock, Kevin Sweeney from SI. He covers college basketball for them, and also he is a contributor to Field of 68. We'll cover the national picture of college basketball with UConn. How about UConn getting smashed, smashed last night? I'll answer the question if I feel differently about them throughout the show, but um, they did get beat by 19. Omaha is a hard place to play. Creighton really handled them, and they uh, they shot very well from the field. And, of course, we'll hop into the Blitz around 6.30, and there's some news about Justin Fields that we need to get to and why he did explain why he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Uh, I'll try to rate his excuse as to why he um, unfollowed the Bears on Instagram 1 through 10. Um, and then we'll talk about what can change. Like this, this Tigers team so far this year has struggled because of all these moving parts. They had seven-plus transfers. We talked about it yesterday. There were eight high-major teams that brought in seven or more transfers. Of those eight, not a single one is a projected NCAA tournament team. So what needs to change? What can change to alleviate some of the problems the Tigers have seen this year? We'll talk about that in the Blitz. Now, off the top of the show, we've been pretty negative the past two days, so I want to get to a couple of positive stories in the Memphis orbit. Shout-out to Alex Simmons, the head coach, new head coach of... The Memphis Tiger women's basketball team, the Lady Tigers, handled business last night. Got a solid OT win over Rice. Now, they have had struggles this year. They're 10-15. and 15. But they got an OT win over Rice, 79-74. Rice is one of the better teams in the American Athletic Conference on the women's side. Um, but what it was for Alex Simmons, 100 career wins. 100 career wins. So shout out to Coach Simmons. And uh, hopefully there is more to come and better results for that team on the horizon. And also, I need another round of applause here, Connor. Go ahead and throw it to me. The Warriors are planning to convert Lester Quinones' contract to a full contract, fully guaranteed. He's been on a two-way since 2022. I do have the opinion, though, Connor, they need to get him more involved. I know they have not in the past, you know, uh, gone out of their way to give preferential treatment to young guys. But Lester Quinones, man, this was a tough build for him. Undrafted guy, two-way guy, had to work his ass off, was unbelievable in the G League. He was the most improved player last year. Uh, dropped 40 points multiple times. He added to his bag. He's good on ball. He's a, he's a feisty defender. I feel like he can really help that team going into the future. That's why he got the contract. But I need to see the minutes distribution start to swing his way at least a tad bit. Yeah, I, I absolutely 
have always believed that Lester Quinones was an NBA player. When he was at the University of Memphis, he was the perfect type of prototype prospect that you would want. Um, and this time in the G League was great for him. He is one of the stories that show you, shows you that time in the G League can be extremely beneficial for NBA guys. I mean, Vince Williams Jr., I hold the opinion that right. his year in the G League was massive for him, and it allowed him to be ready for this jump that we've seen him make this year. But, yeah, the Warriors, I think, definitely need some help on the wing. They've, they've got pretty good defenders and guys like Gary Payton the second, but right. they don't bring that firepower on the offensive side. Lester can kind of give you that with his three-point Three shot. He's really worked on his mid-range game, though, and his yeah. playmaking. That is why I think we have seen this opportunity for him, you know, come to well, light in the NBA because he has been working on his game. He's adding things to it. He's such a high IQ player. He's always in the right spots. He plays his ass off every single night. Yep. And very much like guys like Gigi and Vince Williams Jr., a couple injuries happened for the Warriors. A couple guys didn't pan out like Moody and Wiseman. So the opportunity came to light for him. And he is, again, an example of preparation meeting opportunity. I'm so, so happy for Lester, and I can't wait to see where he goes Boy, from the Tigers would love to have him on that roster oh right my now, wouldn't God, they? A little bit of defensive power, a little bit of three-point shooting, a little bit of playmaking. Oh, my gosh, they could use a guy like that. And Penny talks about dogs. He wants some dogs. Dirty work. That's Lester Quinones. He's dirty work. He was always that way. And know what, what really strikes me about Lester Quinones at Memphis, based on what we've seen from him now that he's gotten to the G League and gotten this full contract, he definitely took a backseat when he could have been sort of absolutely frustrated with his role within the Tigers, you know, roster and, and the rotations. But he didn't. He sort of put his head down and worked. And that's why they ended up getting to that first tournament appearance. So shout out to Lester Quinones. Was very happy to see the Warriors finally made the correct decision. This has been a long time coming, though. Feel like oh yeah. Feel like this should have been done a while ago, but it's finally done. So we're happy about that. But without further ado, it's a Wednesday, so let's hop into overreaction, not an overreaction. Now it's overreaction or not an overreaction. We are to wild and crazy guys. That's crazy. Chill, homie. On the Gabe Gujo from ninety two nine. All right, Gabe. Brian Shaw, who played in Orlando with Penny Hardaway, made an appearance on the podcast P with Paul George and spoke on the what if of Penny Hardaway. Here's what he had to say. I think Penny Hardaway would have been in the discussion, especially if he would have had a long career, 15 to 18 years in the NBA. I think he'd be in the discussion about being the GOAT. He was that talented. He was 6'8". He could post up. He could shoot threes. He could handle the ball. He was one of the best passers that the league has ever seen. Um, he had a super high basketball IQ, and he had that same competitiveness and drive that you've seen in Kobe, that you saw in in Shaq. He was just more quiet with it. And anybody who played against him, from Jordan to Kobe and any anybody else, would tell you the same thing. And then it was no accident that in his second year, in Shaq's third year, we went to the finals. I had the best record in the East. We were the last team to knock off Jordan, mm-hmm. you know, one of his playoff teams. And so that was a, a super young team. And it's just unfortunate that he had the injury and never got well enough because he came back. He wanted to play so bad, came back way too early and it never, it never got right. It's also unfortunate that the players of today, like, didn't really get a chance to, to really, really see him. Because, like I said, he would be in the discussion yeah. as as one of the best to ever do it. 
Penny Hardaway's knee injury is one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. Overreaction, not an overreaction. Not an overreaction. It absolutely is. When you look at Penny, Brian Shaw laid it out really well, I think. But, like, I I think in this city we don't forget. We don't forget. But I think nationally we forget how much of a unicorn he was at 6'8", being a point guard, the way he played ball. It was unreasonable. It was unreasonable. Um, he, he, He had... The offensive game, he he could get his teammates involved. His footwork was unreasonably good. Like he was right. I mean, I, I would I would sort of liken him to Kobe from a footwork perspective. Um, but that knee injury just really derailed his career in a big way. Now there's a lot of reasons that that could have been a case, Connor. I know you can lay those out in a second. But when you look at what he did and him and Shaq when they got on that Orlando Magic rog- roster together the year before Penny got there, they were 41 and 41. They were not a very good team. Okay, they didn't even make the playoffs. By the time he got there, rookie season, he was uh, uh, on the all rookie team. They were fifty and thirty two, and they got to the playoffs. And by year two, they made it to the um, finals. They were the Eastern Conference champions and knocked off the Bulls. And Penny Hardaway on the way to doing that, he was a twenty point per game score, around seven assists, and he kept his turnovers down. Right, you would think a guy like that, at the height he is, it's harder to handle the ball. He never had issues with that. But Penny Hardaway was a true unicorn. And the fact that that knee injury sort of, you know, derailed a career that was, what, three All-NBA selections in the first five years, four All-Star selections in the first five years, it is a shame and it is a big what-if that we'll always look back at. Yeah, it is, without a doubt, it is one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. Penny Hardaway, it is really hard to explain to people. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really watching the games because I was a baby when he was playing, but... When NBA League Pass a few years ago, they put all of the old games on there, and a lot of them were Penny Hardaway's Orlando Magic games. When you go back and you watch, he was one of the best players in the NBA, bar none. He was doing things that other guys weren't doing at his height, with the speed that he had, the playmaking ability that he had. And one thing that's underrated about Penny's career is he was a really good defender. Penny was a very, very good defender. He could be a point-of-attack man for you. He could defend multiple positions. He was one of the first unicorns the NBA ever saw. From 93 till 97, he was, without a doubt, one of the best shows in the NBA. Finished third MVP voting one of those years. Well, he burst onto the scene, and that Magic team became must-watch television. And on top of Penny Hardaway's knee injury, you could say the what if of Penny and Shaq together. If they right. could have stayed together long term, what would have what, what would that have looked like? And you know, Brian Shaw touched on it, but Penny was such a competitive guy. He had that Kobe mentality. He had that Jordan mentality. He still has it to this day. But that's why he tried to come back early from that knee injury, and ultimately it hurt him long term. I wish we could have seen Penny. When you go and you watch his highlight tape now, even though he only had a few seasons of being you know, in his quote-unquote prime, it's unbelievable to watch. You still see guys today trying to emulate the game that Penny had back then. I do think that he had a huge impact on on bigger point point guards, we saw a lot more of them, like a guy like Sean Livingston. Yeah, you could no, tell 100%. Penny Hardaway was like the number one influence. He, for that he guy. definitely he definitely laid that type of foundation down for bigger guys to be able to handle the ball and and be you know orchestrators, right? And and and, and one thing about him too that that I think got underrated through the years is the amount. Like he, we talk about Jokic pacing the game. We talk about um, you know just you know some of the best point guards in the game pacing the game, playing at their own pace. Penny was a uh, savant at that, 
Absolute savant. Now, I, this did get, sort of bring to my attention, like I was thinking about some of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. And for me, um, I, I look at the sort of top of the list, and I, I think the top of the list for um, really all-time and, and people that are maybe a little bit older than us, I think Lynn Bias. Uh, passing away, number two overall pick to the Boston Celtics, a storied franchise. Uh, you know, you, you you talk to some people from from back in the day when they were going through the draft process about sort of who they he, who he could have been. There's, they said he could have been Michael Jordan, but there was a lot of people that likened him to uh, as good, if not substantially better than James Worthy, who's a Hall of Famer. Like Lynn Bias passing away before ever getting to play an NBA game. That's one of the biggest what ifs. I think Memphis. Locally, we can talk about uh, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, to me, that in my lifetime is the biggest what if I have. Um, MVP caliber player, a guy who could have taken off um, as, as a face of the NBA, but that knee injury for a high-flying point guard, it really has changed the way we view high-flying finishing at the rim point guards. I mean, we heard Colin Cowherd a couple years ago say, John Moran, I don't know how long he's going to stick around. We saw Derrick Rose. But Derrick Rose is... He could have been so much more transcendent. Now, he is he's found ways to morph his game and stay in the NBA for a long time. I mean, we're talking about a long career for him at this point. But the level he was playing at with those Bulls teams, what they could have accomplished if he was at the peak of his game – it, that that just that sticks in my mind, sticks in my crawl pretty heavily. No, if you really want to talk about it, the only real difference between Penny and and Derrick Rose is their height. It, it was it's eerily similar how their careers went because I also think a lot of people forget how long Penny actually still played. Like he played until like two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. I think Knicks, like fourteen years. He was able to stick around in the league, and that's how good he was. Even when he didn't have that explosiveness anymore, even when he was still a little bit hobbled, he was still able to put up pretty good numbers in the NBA. It's just Penny and and, and Derrick Rose. You know the Memphis story, the the burst onto the scene, had a ton of wins, and then all of a sudden just one knee injury took him out. It's it's devastating when you actually think about it because. It does feel like so much great basketball was taken from us, and you know they both. I, I still think that you can make the argument that both guys could make it into the Hall of Fame. I think Penny might have a little bit more of a shot than Derrick Rose does, but even though Derrick does have an MVP, so that probably helps him too. But it's just man, it, that bull, those Bulls teams. I'm a LeBron guy, but those Bulls teams were the biggest threat to LeBron at that time. And if Derrick Rose didn't get hurt, I'm not quite sure we're talking about LeBron the same way that we do now because they would have been a roadblock for him that he would have had to get through. And, you know, that series was a knock him down for a while. It was a real tight series, and then he got hurt, and it was over. No. It was over. And he got hurt when right. it didn't matter. That's what's yes. so infuriating about it is it didn't matter when he got hurt. And no, after that 2012-13 season that he missed the whole year and then he played 10 games the next year, you still had high hopes about, okay, he's going to come back. Maybe he's lost a step, but it, he was so good at the peak of his powers. When he came back, man, that was a depressing feeling. It was kind of a depressing feeling because you saw that he was still averaging, what, 15 to 17 points per game, but you just saw he can't play the same amount of minutes. He can't explode to the rim the way he did originally. Like, that was depressing. By the time Derrick Rose returned to the floor with the Bulls, and obviously history wrote it, and he ended up with the Knicks, and he's been bouncing around, around the league ever since. I'm glad to have him in Memphis, but that that's probably, for me, one of the biggest what-ifs. I, I you know... Um, Grant Hill, Brandon Roy. I think Brandon Roy is an interesting one. Brandon Roy is a very interesting. He's one, one of those you had to be there to yeah. see it. Yeah, type of deals. Because here's the thing: in, in in a decade, 
when you're talking to some of the young NBA fans, you bring up Brandon Roy, they're probably not even going to know who that is, right? They're probably like the lasting power, the the staying power of what he was doing in Portland. Maybe it's because he's playing in Portland as well, and his teams weren't all that great. But Brandon Roy. Before the knee well, injury, about, my God. Think about what that team could have been, though. Because, like, like let's, let's break it down for a second. So you have Brandon Roy, who was unreal. Unreal, yes. Brandon Roy was. Then you had Greg Oden. When he actually played, he was a dominant big man. He went where he went for a reason, and he was excellent when he would actually be able to play. If both of those guys were able to stay healthy, Portland would have been a problem for a long time. But neither of them could. They both had devastating injuries that they could never bounce back from. So we never got to see them at full strength. It's it's a huge what if for them. Uh, one of the biggest what ifs for me, if we're going to just keep talking about NBA what ifs, is you know the Memphis Grizzlies. I will st- I will die on this hill. If Mike didn't break his face and if Tony Allen didn't hurt his hamstring, they would have beaten that Warriors team. They had them against the ropes. They were freaked out. And Tony getting hurt completely changed that series because they were able to sag off of him. He wasn't able to be the point man of attack on the defensive end. I will never, ever be convinced otherwise that the Grizzlies would have been able to beat that Warriors team. And that was also the same year that the Cavs were very injured in that NBA Finals. The Grizzlies might have a ring if they could have gotten through the Warriors. They still talk about That Warriors team talks about... That series against the Grizzlies was one of the hardest they've ever had to play, and they truly for a moment thought, oh, we might be screwed here because the Grizzlies punched them in the mouth, and they didn't know how to react until the Grizzlies got hurt. Now, I want to do a little bit of the butterfly effect here in the what if, and this is interesting to me because, what was it? It was the early 2010s when Chris Paul was supposed to be traded from the the Hornets to the Lakers, and David Stern stepped in and vetoed it. How much would that have changed Chris Paul and the view we have of him without a ring? Because now, like, he has become Mr. I-can-get-there, but I'll be hobbled, and I'll pull a hamstring, and I'm never actually going to get through. If he would have been alongside Kobe and Powell and all these guys, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I, I'd imagine he would have had several rings at that point. They would have been better than they even were with, with Powell and Kobe. And that's, that's, a, that's a massive what-if for the Lakers. Now, again, I, I'm not going to act like I really care long-term that uh, the Lakers did not get him. The Lakers have uh, had a lot of success. They have, they've Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And, uh, they have a lot of championships. But that that right there would have made them an absolutely unstoppable force in that moment. To have an orchestrator for Pow and for Kobe in that moment, oh my gosh. And then they ended up you know, doing the Steve Nash thing and that didn't work out. And Dwight Howard, it just, it, it all sort of spiraled out of control. And, and there still is, like, I, what was the ultimate reason David Stern gave for vetoing it? Was it just it was, it was competitive Competitive parody? advantage or something like well, that. Well, but yeah, but that's, that's how it works. That's how it works. I mean, why? I don't. I. It is what it is. It was. It was probably a a hope for parity within the NBA. But if that would have gone through, Chris Paul would have rings probably, and we'd look at his career completely different through a completely different lens. Without a doubt, it's just there's so many events that you can look back in NBA history. It's like, I mean, going back to the to Penny, like you know that team beat the Bulls in ninety five, ninety six. What would it have looked like though if Jordan hadn't taken off? You know, if he hadn't retired and had to come back right. midseason, because he was wearing forty-five when they beat him, and they were—I think Brian Shaw said it—they were probably the only team that eliminated them. Then, because then they went on to win every other series, because right. you know, three straight titles again. So it's, it's like, what what would Jordan's legacy look like? How if many he didn't how many retire? ships would, would he have, have at that point? Would he have been able to actually do six straight, as we some people like to talk about? But no, he actually did three and three because a lot of people forget that Magic team beat him right in the middle, beat yep. him right in the middle there. A lot of people forget that, so. It's fascinating to go back and look at. It's just, I'm glad that Penny, though, he's transcended time with the NBA. Yes. And I think it's just the reverence that you hear from every single player when they talk about him is really cool to see. It, it, well, his jersey is one of the best-selling throwback jerseys in NBA history for a reason. That's what I, One thing that the NBA was very clear about in that moment is they were going to try to brand him in every single way, shape, and form. Right. Nike did the same thing. Like the brand deals, the, the, the recognition of who he was as a player and what he could have been as a face of the, the NBA, that was very apparent. And that's why it's transcended time. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, Eric just texted me, and he's, he's letting me know what happened with the, with the Hornets situation. It's, okay. It's, the NBA and their owners owned the Hornets at that time, so not only David Stern, but all of the owners voted to veto the trade to block the Lakers from having that dominance. No one had yep. bought the Hornets until that time, and they tried to make the trade, and all of the owners were like, uh-uh, hell no. So that makes, that makes a little bit more sense. It was yep. a conspiracy against the Lakers because that team would have— it would have won a ring. Like Powell 100%. doing a pick and roll no with doubt. Chris Paul. No Good luck. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> Good luck stopping no that. But shout out to Eric Hasseltine for throwing that in there for us. All right, next up. The number one team in college basketball, UConn, lost to Creighton last night, 85-66. to The loss snaps UConn's 14-game winning streak which was the longest in the country, and it was Creighton's first win in program history over the number one ranked team in the AP poll. Last night's loss cast doubt 
on UConn. Overreaction or not an overreaction? <laughs> the biggest overreaction in the world. Now, I'll say this. I uh, I can totally understand, like, you get on the road in a tough environment. You, you, you don't pass that test. People could be a little bit turned away by that. But when you look at UConn and what they've done so far this year, they're unreal. They're unreasonable. And uh, they have all the, the guys to go make this happen. They have a chance to go repeat. I just saw odds on Final Four for them. They're minus 105, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. They're, they're, they're very good. They're very good. They have everything you need. They have the depth. They have a, a piece at every single position, one through five. Um, but as far as, like, the obvious things here, Creighton was unreal from the floor last night. If you shoot 14 for 28 from three, you're going to win a lot of games, especially if you're at home in college basketball. Like, that's the obvious thing there. I, I don't think every single team is going to be able to expose UConn like that because I also think Danny Hurley is very good at, at adjusting on the fly and making sure to limit things. Now, there's film out there. Um, there's some things that, that Creighton was able to do well, but not every team is going to be able to shoot 14 for 28 from three. And then let's go for the historical perspective here. Historical perspective. This is why I, I really don't care. It doesn't change anything about my thought process on UConn and what they can do in the NCAA tournament. They have lost 19 straight games dating back to 2014 against AP Top 25 teams on the road. They don't win against AP Top 25 teams on the road, and that's what Creighton was. They've lost 19 straight. Here's, here's a little fun fact. In 2014, you know, uh, you know who the win was against? On the road, AP Top 25? I do, but I'm going to make you say it. It's, it was against Memphis. Um, but, like, historical significance tells you that this does not matter in the grand scheme of things. I think somebody said, said, said you know, in the last 10 years, they're 0-21 against AP Top 25 teams on the road, but they have two national championships. So I, I really don't feel any differently about UConn and their dominance. And quite frankly... I'm not. I, I was never buying into. Oh, they're peaking too early and they're playing too well. But I think that a potential national championship team taking lumps along the way. I think that means something. Fight through a little adversity. Realize that you're you know gettable, and and you have a little bit more fight next time around. So I. I, I it did absolutely nothing to change my thought process process on UConn and what they can do. Yeah, it, they have the benefit of the doubt. You know, defending champs, you have benefit of the doubt. And at the end of the day, if a team shoots 50% from three, they're usually going to win a basketball game. You know, and I don't necessarily... Hashtag analysis? Hashtag, hashtag analysis. How many turnovers and assists do they have, Gabe? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> right. just kidding. But, you know, um, that's that's just what happened. Creighton could not miss from three. And we know that UConn's defense is, is solid, so it's not like it was a huge defensive miss that they've been dealing with all season. They just got punched in the mouth a game. It happens. It definitely happens, and it sounds like it happens to UConn a lot on the road. That's such a weird trend, though, for UConn, because that is a program that you don't think of them that way. And them having so much success, but none of it coming on the road against ranked opponents is just... It's just one of those weird stats in sports that can pop up. Real quick, I need to go back. I mistakenly said that they beat the Bulls in 95-96. That was when they were maybe the best team ever. They beat them in 94-95. The, okay. the, the Magic. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I just, that, that's a, it, I'm a it was head. weighing on you. It, it was, was weighing, weighing on, on me. I said it, it and I was like, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm a fraud. So I had, to, I had to say it real quick. 94-95 was when they beat the Bulls. 95-96, maybe the best team that's we ever. We appreciate ever clarity. We love clarity. We love clarity. Yeah. We love clarity. But, no, it's, it's, uh, I'm not, it's something to keep an eye on with UConn with the road environment type type of vibes, but but you're playing a bunch of neutral side games, right? In the NCAA tournament. Right. 
unless it's sort of a pseudo road game, but we'll see. And again, I think they get the benefit of the doubt because they're the defending champs. They're number one in the country and they're 24 and three. (laughs) And Creighton shot 14 for 28 from three. And they have not won a game since 2014 on the road against an AP top 25 opponent. Yeah, again, all these things coalesce. I don't feel any differently. No, I do feel differently about though. Memphis Tigers. And I think everyone feels differently about them, but they have a matchup tonight against a team in Charlotte who could give them some issues on their home floor. They're six and a half point favorites, but we'll go ahead and break that day- game down coming up right after this break, right here on the Gabe Kuncho 929 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. We have the Tigers at home tonight versus Charlotte. Two teams that are trending in completely opposite directions. Now, Charlotte did not have a good out-of-conference schedule, and they did not manage it very well. The Tigers, on the other hand, did. But as of late, the Tigers have lost six of their last nine, and Charlotte, on the other hand, who theoretically was, I think, pick 13th in the American Athletic Conference before the year, they have won 11 of their last 12, and they beat Florida Atlantic along the way. Now, when we talk about sort of this team in Charlotte versus the Tigers, it's going to be a clash of styles, just like it was against North Texas. Charlotte, right now, as far as pace of play is concerned, is 356th in the country out of 362. The Tigers are top 25 in that category. So it's going to be one of those games where who dictates pace, whoever dictates pace, is going to win. And we saw in that North Texas game earlier last week, North Texas was able to play at their own pace. They were able to break the press that Penny Hardaway threw out there immediately. Now, Penny Hardaway has said, and he said at his radio show, that he's going to make some substantial changes in the starting lineup. We'll see what that looks like. Uh, we know the first time around, it was before the Rice game, that he said that he was going to make uh, changes. Whoever wanted to be, whoever was out there was going to be someone that he trusted fully before that Rice game. Of course, they lost 74-71. They made substitutions to get a real point guard in there because Jaquan Walton was the lead guard, but they got brought in Javon Quinterly and Nick Jordan in 305. Tonight is going to be interesting in that regard. Um, but this seems like a game where if if Penny has learned his lesson. He's going to approach it differently than he approached that North Texas game. When he came out in that North Texas game, he decided he was going to put a full press on, uh, full court press, put pressure on the ball consistently. And what did North Texas do? They broke that press. They got open threes in transition, and they shot 15 for 26 from the three-point line. Um, If I'm sort of guessing, based on past results, what Penny Hardaway will do, it'll be a completely new starting five, and he will try to put a press on Charlotte to get them to play at Memphis's pace. But what does that ultimately look like considering the results we've seen in the past? Uh, I, I think tonight is uh, interesting in the fact that if they do win, it doesn't mean anything in the regard, in, in, in you know, your, your long-term hopes of them making the NCAA tournament. There's nothing left in the regular season that can get them back over that hump as an at-large team. But if they do win tonight as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, by the way, you can try to 
try to convince yourself that they're playing better ball and maybe in the American Athletic Conference tournament they can uh, pull off the impossible, the seemingly impossible. Yeah, I think at the very least what you want to see tonight is pride. You know, it's been a tough few weeks for this Memphis Tigers team and there's no doubt that the players the coaches and everybody in the program have have heard the noise and I think that the criticism has been deserved it's been warranted but tonight we're going to see how they respond are they going to come out and bring energy are they going to bring effort are they going to play as a team because that's what we've been talking about and if they come out and show that tonight that's going to be it's going to give you a a percentage of hope it'll give you a little but it's just just I think for Pride's sake, you just want to yes. see them play a full basketball game together. That's what you want to see. Don't drop the shoulders if something goes wrong. But I think it's going to be similar to what we've seen the last few games. You're going to know how it's going to go in the first five minutes because of the rotations and the defensive scheme and the energy the players bring. You're going to know how it's going to look. It's, that has been the trend for the last five games. It's against Wichita, Temple, Tulane, North Texas, SMU, you knew how that game was going to go within the first five minutes because of the rotations, the energy, and the defense. Yes, and the reality of the situation is this game, again, does not mean anything for NCAA tournament hopes and at-large hope, but you can try to convince yourself that it will mean something in confidence building because that's all that they're doing for the rest of the year. Um, you, you build confidence. Now, I have had conversations with, with people off-air about you know teams in the past – uh, whatever team you like, if you see them quit, which is sort of what we all feel like we saw against SMU. That's what Penny Hardaway said. That's what David Jones said, or at least Penny Hardaway said shutting down. They shut down. My question here becomes, when you see a team let go of the rope, stop playing hard, lose faith, are they capable of getting that back? Have you ever seen a team rebound this late in the season when they have quit, seemingly, on the season. I'm not sure I have seen that. That's why I have a whole lot of skepticism about the Tigers being a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home tonight. Yeah, I know. I think when we all saw that line, some of us were like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, it's nothing's changed. They're the more talented team. They should win this game by six, by more than six-and-a-half. They should. We, but it should, should, should. This team is a big – it's a lot of shoulds right now. It's a lot of shoulds. Yes. And are they going to come out? And show people what they can do. It, it's like we said, it's, it's pride for this point. Like you said, the NCAA tournament, you have to win four games in four days. Yes. We know how you get there now. This game's about pride. Yeah. And to be quite honest, and, and, the fans I, deserve better. I guess, you could, I guess you could make the case that, you know, um, you have clarity on what it's going to take. Sure. So maybe you could play a little more free and stop playing up so uptight. Um, but I, I have two questions about tonight. One is about on the court. What effort do we see, right? Because that SMU game, lack of effort, lost faith, everything went wrong, and you lost by 27. And my second question here is off the court. I am curious, very, very curious, Connor, what FedEx Forum looks like tonight. Is it going to be thin? I know usually on a Wednesday it's not going to be a packed house, but there was one point during this year when they were top 10 in the country where even on a Wednesday night in a game like this, you would find a way to get out to FedEx Forum. I wonder what that crowd's going to look like tonight. I wonder, because that's always been a sticking point with Penny Hardaway and his hiring. Yeah, and, you know, that's why I'm not going to be interested, though, if if the crowd's not great tonight, or we'll, we'll wait and see. But if it's not great, 
it's understandable why. Right. And I don't, and I really hope that people don't come out and try to say that they should show up and support the Tigers. But to be quite honest, I think what everybody saw in that SMU game, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing during that SMU game. I've been a Memphis Tigers fan my entire life. Went there. We both went there. Yeah. It's got to be better than that. Yep. We deserve better. Now, we were in college during the Tubby days, so. I was filming but. those games. I was I was working those games. I trust me. I saw those games. They were not very fun. They were not. They were fun not very fun. At all. I was sitting on the court. Not at, fun. At not all. fun. But the Memphis fan base deserves more. They do. At the end of the day, they do. Yes. Your team gave now, up in that at, with, at SMU. With this discussion, I'm just curious. Like big picture, twenty thousand foot view, whatever you want to call it. I heard. Norton Hearn and Jason on Jason and John great discussion about this earlier great and, and it's about expectations around this program and I understand the heights that have been reached whether it was you know Larry Finch or John Calipari and the runs that they made in the tournament but I do have questions about expectations in regards to since Calipari left I've gone over this stat several times this week. Uh, most of our shows have, have gone over the stats several times this week. There's only been three tournament wins since Calipari left, since John left. With that being the case, are expectations supposed to be tempered? Right? Like, what? where do we draw the line here? Like, what what needs to be accomplished for it to be a complete success always, right? Like, I I just feel like at times we get caught up in the past and past results more than what we're looking at right now, and those past results have warped our expectations to unreasonable levels. Now, I think this year you, 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 you wanted better, the expectations should have been better, and they were not delivered upon. I understand that. But I, I also liken this to, you know, Memphis football. This year, there's a lot of people very frustrated with the way things were going, playing very close with maybe inferior competition, teams you're not used to. But in the end of the day, it was 10 and 3. It was 9 and 3 at the end of the season. You still had some people sort of frustrated with the way things went. I just feel like there at times needs to be a little bit of a, of a check a temperature check of expectations and what they need to be, right? And I. I understand the season has gone awry. I get that. But I think there needs to be a, uh, some understanding of where this program is at on the national stage. It's not where it was in 2008. It's not where it was under Larry Finch in the good years. So I, I just I think there's some give and take to this conversation, and I want to see where everybody's at on that. Sure, absolutely. I, I, I uh it's a great. It was a great conversation. Highly recommend people going back to listen to it. It's the where I kind of fall of it on it is. I think the expectation f- for the Memphis football team sometimes can be a bit silly. Like they won ten games. Okay. Yeah. Fourth time ever. That expectation. Fourth time. That, that expectation came upon ever. very fast, though. I mean, uh, yes. 2014, 2015, 2016 into the Cotton Bowl year warped the expectations in in light speed. Right. For the basketball team, it's a really nuanced conversation, I think, because, yes, they hit those heights with Larry Finch. They hit those heights with Cal. And I think they could have gotten there with Pazner if a few things broke a different way. Yeah. They were close, but they just couldn't ever break through for some reason and in I'm the a- tournament. So it's, I think the reason it, it exists 
is we have seen the University of Memphis at the top yes, of the mountain. 100%. They were a foul away. If I could go back in time, I would have run on that damn court and tackled <laughs> Mario Chalmers, all right? that You were moments away from being at the very top. So you know. We all know what it feels like to be there. And we all know that it, the NCAA tournament's chaos. It's a crapshoot. But we've seen other teams get there and get back there since they have. So I think that it's fair to have the expectation that the Memphis Tigers can be a national championship-level team. However, yes. where the nuance comes in is you're not there yet, and you've got to build back because we've talked about Cal. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours... The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The last two weeks or so, it was really – I think that some people aren't being fully truthful when they talk about how devastating it was when Cal left. Because he took the entire team. Yeah. He took a number one recruiting class that was so good, it had to get split up into, into two different schools. Most of them went to Kentucky, some went to Kansas. Yeah. That team probably was going to win the national title. They were crazy. Because it's that Kentucky team with Xavier Henry. Yeah. The excitement from that team, it devastated the city when they left. It devastated them. And they were able to get back a little bit with Pazder. And a lot of it, though, was homegrown talent. And you had a crop of homegrown guys that were ready to go. Joe Jackson, Chris Crawford, Tyreek, all those guys. And it was really fun and really exciting. And then Pazner left and Tubby happened. And you cratered yes. out. You cratered out. And you're trying to build back from that. Yes. That's where you're building back from. So where it comes into, into like, we've got to have tempered expectations is that we need to still understand that you're still kind of building back from that Tubby era. Yeah. And with the now, addition most people of the thought transfer it would have been portal, done by now, and I understand well, and that. that's where the addition of the transfer portal, COVID season happened, NIL, the landscape of college sports has changed significantly. Now that all of that being said, I think the expectations this year and the last few years for this basketball team have been really fair. Yeah, they have been win a tournament game, make it to the tournament, and then make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, it's been a steady rise of expectation. I think there's some people out there that are like, National Championship yeah, or right, bust. of course. But most, most people that are logical Memphis Tiger basketball fans, which I think a lot are, came into this year saying the expectation for this team with what we're hearing about it is Sweet 16. Right. And if they make it there, they've reached my expectation. And even if you made it to, you know, get one win, okay, that's good enough. I could talk myself into they won one NCAA tournament game. It's better than last year. That's a step forward. It, it's I think with the Penny Hardaway era, people have just wanted consistent steps right. forward. And the reason this year feels so empty is because it felt like you're not it's, taking a step forward, but you're taking like three or four steps step back. back. And right. that is where like we're in 
maybe not even NIT territory right now for this team. And that is, it's such a whiplash from where you were a month ago. A month ago, you were top 10, four seed, sweet 16. It looked like it was going to happen. You were feeling great. So that feeling still exists. Because a month ago, that's what we were talking about. And now it's just gone. It's it's like a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And that is just, I think that's a difficult thing to cope with. It is. it's, It's such a collapse that I don't know if we have seen in college basketball this year other than the Tigers. Yeah, and there's there's it's a strange dynamic, I think, between like football and basketball in particular because we know that the resources and the money and the donors and everything else tends to lean to the basketball program. Sure. So that's where you get the built-in expectation. And the reason that you have the resources pouring in is because of past success. Because of past success. So it's 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 you know being a football athlete at the University of Memphis, there is part of me that definitely holds the basketball team into to the fire to a certain extent because I know the football program does not get afforded the same exact resources historically and has not been afforded Super those fair. things. Yeah. Um, and that's why I still think that going after football for a 10-3 and three or 9-3 and three season is ridiculous. But I think that's where the expectations come in. Yeah, you've been there, but you also know because you've been there, the resources have been handed to you, handed to you time and time again. And the more you don't get over that hump, the more hungry people get, the more frustrated people get. That's where, that's where we're at at the end yeah. of the I, I also think the difference between basketball and football is just the possibilities of what the end of the season could look like. Does that make, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, I think most people understand at the University of Memphis – it wasn't until now with the college football playoff expansion that you didn't have a shot to win a national championship. Yeah, of course. So the bar there was like, if you could win a conference championship, win your bowl game, thumbs yes, up. Yes, of course. Nine, ten yes. wins, that's, that's the, the big thing. I think Tigers basketball, even though the tournament is so nuts, you still see over and over again the same program. Just get in the field. Having a run. But just, just get, get in, in the field, field, right? Just get in the field. And to your point, the resources that we all know this Tigers basketball team has and the talent that they have – that is why the expectation is set for them usually. Is That's why we're talking about Sweet 16, because on paper, that was a Sweet 16 But really, team. this conversation came about because I think there's a lot more talk behind the scenes, and I still think it's stupid. I still think it's, it's wrong. The fire penny crowd. Like, that's where this Yeah, comes that's from. silly. Like, it's silly to me. Um, I do, again, I still will admit, if it's a different name, if it's uh, Joe Smith, like Jeff always talks about, uh, that seat would be a little warmer. It would be pretty damn warm at this moment. We get that. But th- it's Penny Hardaway. It's Penny Hardaway. It's just a different type of feel around this program because of that. And I also think part of it is people want it so bad. Right. Especially with Penny. Like, they they want it so bad that it is, I think, sports is such an interesting thing in life. Because for some people, when your teams are doing poor, it's, like, painful, you know? And that's why it can be difficult, especially in a year like this for the Tigers, where there is little to no positive thing to hang your hat on right now. It's a really hard thing to watch because, like I said, a month ago, you were talk- we were talking to our friends on air, everybody, about how this team is the best team of the Penny Hardaway era, all of this stuff, and it just got snatched away. Yep. It's just gone. And it's like, wait a second. It was right here. Yes. I had it in my hands. And then it, it's like the Tommy Boy thing. Yeah, we had it, it, we, to, yeah, we loved it, it too much, and, yes. and then it's just gone. And I think that's a really difficult thing 
to adjust to when all year we've been it's been a build up, build up, build up, build up, and then it just crate crater. craters. It is it's that's a difficult thing to mi- wrap your mind around when you know you didn't realize it was all being held together with tape. Yes, very weak tape. Yeah. And then when Caleb Mills got hurt, it just all it shattered. just exploded. It just, yeah, and it was I think it's just it was such a shock that it happened in this fashion. It's been difficult for people to I think change their expectation now to where it is, but at the same time, is it on the fans to change their expectation or is it that the f- team didn't live up to it? I lean team didn't live up to team, it. Team, you know, 100% team didn't live up to it this right. year. Penny Hardaway didn't live up to it. Javon Quinterly didn't live up to it. I so think now, David Jones is probably the only guy you can look at. Oh, he lived up to this. So now, what's interesting filling. is what's the expectation for next year? Right. What's the fair expectation, knowing yeah. how this season went? What's the fair expectation? I don't know. It, 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 my, it's it's it starts at NCAA tournament st- without question. But how many wins in the tournament? Is it a Sweet Sixteen? Is it second? You know what I, I mean? also think some of these things are up to Penny Hardaway and and, and sort of the style with which he attacks this offseason. Sure, absolutely. You want to see changes made. You yes. want to see actual steps forward, uh, whether it's him, because we've talked about the two options going into this offseason. You either recruit guys to fit your system or you, you know, in the end of the day, change your system based on your personnel, which I don't think he's done this year. So it, I think this offseason tells us a lot. Um, I think the donor happiness is going to tell us a lot. Certainly. Because I think there's a lot of wasted NIL money out there. Now, I think with all these things, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the Blitz. There is some fixes you can make along the way to a coaching staff, have a little bit more continuity, take a little bit off of uh, Penny Hardaway's plate in the offseason with these type of things. Um, but I, I think how they attack this offseason, we're just going to have to wait and see what the expectations are going to be. Because I don't think you can just go into every single year and say Sweet 16 second weekend. Yeah, I, I think it's you also... You have to see what's on the plate. You have to see the personnel. You have to see everything else involved with this team before we start putting up expectations. Which is, the- which is the problem that I'm sort of getting at. I think that because of 2008, because of Cal, every single year is copy and paste. Here are the expectations. Get to the NCAA tournament. Win a couple games get to that second weekend. Right. Well, because the Cal era, what it really did was it made us pay attention, I think, so much to recruiting classes and what they could mean. And, you know, you would see the number one, the the top recruiting classes of the Pazner era, and they just never, they just never hit that level that you thought they could get to. And that's why with Penny this offseason and next year, my expectation is very simply going to be, I would like a drama-free season with an NCAA <laughs> appearance. And I think that's a simple right. thing to ask for. And that's where I think most of the fan base is right now. Get us through a year with no drama, please. Because since 2008, what as a fan base we keep hearing is, oh, this group of players, right? they're going to be the one, other than the Tubby era, this group of guys, this is going to be it. And then every year... Damn, that was a little bit. But that's why, like, the last few years of Penny felt so hopeful because it felt like they were kind of reaching that expectation. You got to the You're tournament. Like, oh! You won a game oh, in the tournament. Okay. Can, yeah, this makes sense. And Played then, close with the number one seed in right. Gonzaga. Okay. Right. Building, 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 fall off. NBA guy. Like, it's, it felt like you were starting to build momentum toward being able to at least get in the realm of where you were with Cal. And I think this year has just taken away that hope slightly. I don't think that it's it's, it's because of the because of the era that we're in of co- in college athletics, you'll have a couple guys back next year, but you'll ultimately get to kind of reshuffle your cards 
And that's why you can still have some hope but then for next we could, year. But we could also have but the discussion have about, about reshuffling the damn cards. Is that the best way? Like, you have to build a program from the ground up. Right. There's you just have a lot of to questions build a culture. Right you have to build an identity. And if you're continually reshuffling an entire roster, can right. you actually build a damn identity? Can you build a program that way? I'd lean no. Again, there's been eight teams this year that ha- hammered the transfer portal because they thought that was the way to go. And they had seven or more transfers. Eight teams did that. None of them are going to make the tournament unless they win their conference tournament. Right. That's so, why you've got to it, build the base. It, it, that's we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 